Even during the sermon, because Dave and Brian, are, they might be in the back with a bucket of water. You may find yourself getting dunked. So I'm just letting you know. So if you're scared of getting baptized, we're, we're ready. We're ready. You guys doing all right? Cool. I love that movie. The first time I saw it, I was like, it's okay. The second time, I'm like, this is like my top 20 movie. Just looking at Jack Black like, makes me crack up, so I love it. But why, what is this whole water baptism thing? You know, we're doing this old school is new school, and it's these two things that Jesus gave us, the Lord's Supper and baptism. He said, do these things. Are they just these ancient old things, or do they really have value to our life? What's the whole thing with water baptism? Why do we practice it? Well, number one, Jesus commanded it. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The second thing is that Jesus was baptized. There's a story in the book of John where John the Baptist, not the same writer of the book, but John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he was baptizing people in the Jordan River to prepare the way for Emmanuel, for God with us, that God was going to come down into history and save the world. So John the baptizer is getting people ready. Get your heart ready. Repent. Be baptized to show that you're ready for the coming of God with us. Messiah, Emmanuel. And there he comes, up to the Jordan River. Jesus, God with us. And he goes up to John the Baptist, his cousin, and says, Hey, I need to be baptized. And John the Baptist is like, Look, I need to be baptized. You, don't, you need to baptize me. I'm not worthy to touch your sandals like a servant. And Jesus says, you know what? We have to do this. Let's set the example. Let all righteousness be fulfilled. From Genesis to the prophets, let it be fulfilled. And Jesus was baptized in the water. And as he came up, the Holy Spirit, like lightning, fell upon him in the shape of a dove. It sounds like the Prince song, like, you know, doves cry. So, you know, it's like funky. Like, it's pretty cool. But he comes out and the Holy Spirit, without measure, falls on Jesus. This is the third reason. Because water baptism is an outward symbol or an expression of an inward reality. Some of you guys may not know that. You may be thinking, well, water baptism is essential for salvation. I just want to let you know today, if there's any confusion that you think that you have to be water baptized for salvation? The answer is no. But you know what? Jesus commanded us to do it. So as far as obedience is concerned, you are required out of obedience to do it. Look, if he can hang on a cross for us, surely we can walk up and be baptized. But I love it because Jesus set the example. But water baptism is that outward symbol or expression of an inward reality. It's sort of like this ring. For all you who are married, you can kind of just place your hand on your ring. And um, this is an outward sign that I married the love of my life, Jennifer. I don't know where she's at. Jennifer, are you here? All right. Anyway, I love her. God put us together. And we made a commitment. And so we exchanged rings. I put this on my finger. And she has one on her finger. And it basically says, hey, buddy, back off if anybody's trying to hit on me. I like that. I like that. But you know what? What if we're like, you know what? It's kind of an outdated tradition. I've got a little tan line thing. I don't like that. Let's just put the rings on the shelf. Or let's hang it around our neck. Does it mean we're not married? No. 
Because in our hearts we committed to each other that God brought us together. This is merely an outward symbol. And I like that she wears it because I call it skiing. She has like a diamond. And like she's always like, if I don't do what she says, like boom. She just like rips me with a thing. I'm like, okay, maybe that wasn't a good thing I gave you that ring. But it's a good thing. It's an outward symbol. Water baptism is an outward symbol of that expression of the inward reality you know, that same passage with John, John the baptizer, he says this. It's really interesting. He tells the crowd, look, I baptize with water. That's just water. Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So the question this morning, have the hands of Jesus baptized you in the Holy Spirit? Because that's that inward reality that water baptism is merely a symbol of and is pointing to. The inward reality, it's symbolic. Have you been baptized by Jesus' hands? It's important. Look what it says in Romans 3.9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, the Spirit of God, he does not belong to Jesus. Whoa! I thought I could just live a good life. I thought I could just go to church. Look, I have a religious pedigree. Isn't that good enough? No. There has to be a spiritual transformation that happens in your heart. That's the inward reality that Jesus Christ, very present, comes to live in you. Have you been baptized by the hands of Jesus? You know, if you've heard the story in Genesis with Adam and Eve and the fall of man, you know, of all creation, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. They were both a physical being, like creation, but they were also a spiritual being. God breathed life in them. You know, God's spirit holds all creation together, but man and woman are unique because originally in the, in the Garden of Eden, they had perfect fellowship. That They had God's spirit there with them. Adam and Eve sinned. Satan came along and lied to them, told them, don't trust God. God doesn't know what's best for you. And they ate and they disobeyed. And God said this, that moment when you did that, you spiritually died. And it also affected the physical part because now Adam only lived to be 158, like, I don't know, like 958 years old, which is crazy. Who wants to live 958 years on this earth? I'm like, it's crazy. But time got shorter so suddenly something's happened. We're made in the image of God as physical and spiritual beings with eternity planted in our heart. And now it's all gone wrong. And it's like there's this missing piece in us. We spiritually died. They became slaves to sin and they passed it on. You know, I have a two and a, two and a half year old Jason, my crazy Jason. Some of you guys know him. And I'm just letting you know right now, the kid... I call it bad choices, but let's call it what it is. He knows what sin is at two and a half years old. Now, there'll come a time in his life of that age of accountability when he has to make a choice. But you know what every human's done before him? You know what his daddy did? I chose my own way. And he's going to choose the same thing. He's going to walk away from God. Just like Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they ran and hid from God. To be human is to run from God. The very one that loves us, the very one that has the best interest in mind, 
And yet we're hiding and running. And I know my son will make the same choice just like all of us here have made a choice. You see, we spiritually died. We lost that God connection. Sin broke the fellowship that would have been natural. And now it's not natural. We need to be made spiritually alive again. We need to be made spiritually alive again. They were living beings They had life, and they chose death. We need to be made spiritually alive, and that only happens through Jesus Christ. That God connection only happens through Jesus, and it happens by God's Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Romans. See, there's a door to your heart. There's a place in your heart that was made only for God. You see, it was connected. In the Garden of Eden, they were connected. They didn't have to worry about, am I connected to God? They were. His life was in them. But there's a place in your heart that's meant for God alone. And when we spiritually died, when we chose our own way, it left a void in us. It left a vacuum that could only be filled by His love you know, it's sort of like a, a restless night. Have you had one of those where, like, you just can't, you know, you're shaking around in the bed and you're trying to get your blanket over you, and once you get your blanket over you, you kick it off because it's too hot, and it's just restless. It's like we enter this world in this restless state where we're half asleep but not, and we can see but we can't, and we know there's something greater beyond, and we're restless You see, our hearts will never be at rest until they find rest in Him. But the problem is, is we open the door to our hearts to so many other things. So many other things. But there can only be one who sits on the throne of your heart. You cannot be your own God. Only God is God and deserves to sit in the throne of our heart. And when you feel anything else other than Him, it destroys us. Sin wrecks our lives. You see, here's the mystery. When we get that God connection back, when we believe in Jesus, this is from Ephesians, you become a dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. What kind of mystery is that? How amazing is that? That God, the creator of the universe, would come and live inside of me by his Holy Spirit. Jesus said that we had to become spiritually alive, and he said it this way, we have to be born again. To be made spiritually alive, we have to be born again. Will you stand with me and let's read God's word. If you have an iPad or Droid or whatever, if you have a Bible, you can turn to this. This is John 3. This is where we're going to be camping out today. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council, which is the Sanhedrin's. So he had political and religious power. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. 
Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's the water part, that physical birth. Hopefully you've all had that because you're standing right here. So you've had that, right? But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You see, we lost that God connection in the garden. And we inherited the sin nature. We passed it on. And Jesus is saying, we've got to get that back. You've got to be spiritually alive again. Spirit gives birth to spirit a second time. You should not be surprised at my, my saying you should be born again. And he, Jesus goes into this, I love it, he goes into this kind of mystical thing. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. This is a play on words, because in Greek and Hebrew, that word for wind is also spirit. It's pneuma. So Jesus is talking, making a, a parallel relationship of what the Holy Spirit is like. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You see, when you receive the Holy Spirit, people can't see the Spirit, but they can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in your life. And Nicodemus says the classic thing, how can this be? You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. And that's Jesus, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. This is a passage from Exodus. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Life restored. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You can be seated. You see, Nicodemus asked this question, how can this be? It sounds pretty natural. You know, as Americans, we'd probably say the same thing. How can this be? How can a person crawl back into their womb? But see, this is a loaded statement that, G that Nicodemus is asking Jesus. You see, there's more to what he's saying. You see, this is Nicodemus. This is the man. He's the teacher of Israel. He's got it all together. He follows God's laws perfectly, above reproach. He has power he has political power, religious power. He checks all the boxes off. He, this is a good guy. And Jesus is saying, hey, you need to be born again. How can this be? You see, this is offensive to Nicodemus because there was a practice back in that day. Did you know born again wasn't original to Jesus? He just redefined it. You see, it was already in use. You know, there was Gentiles. Gentiles are anything other than a Jewish person. So most of us in here qualify as a Gentile. And they were, they were excommunicated. They were seen as outsiders. And Jewish people saw them as pagan and sinners in their day. Pagans and sinners. And what they did is if you were a God-fearer Gentile, you sort of practiced you know, Judaism. You said, okay, I kind of believe that. But then if you want to take a step further and say, I want to become a Jew, they would do this thing where they baptized you and you were born again. You were born a Gentile sinner, 
but now you've come up as an Israelite and Jewish, and you had to be circumcised, and you had to follow God's laws. So this is why Nicodemus is offended, because Jesus is basically saying, hey, you, Nicodemus, you say you're a child of Abraham, that that first birth was good enough. It's not. You need to be born again too. Jesus is putting him on the same level as a prostitute, the same level as anybody else, saying sin is the problem, and you, Nicodemus, have it too. You see, Nicodemus didn't realize who was facing him, who was teaching him, who was looking at him. In the scripture in John, he says this, we know you're a teacher who's come from heaven. No, this is God who has come to teach, and he's right in front of Nicodemus, knocking on the door of his heart, saying, I love you, but you have to be born again. Rich, poor, religious, sinner, it doesn't matter. Everyone needs this, Nicodemus, even you, even the teacher of Israel that has it all together. You see, God wants to move into your heart, but there's a problem. It's called sin. And it's almost like Nicodemus is saying, I'm not a sinner. I was born a child of Abraham the first time. I'm already a Jew. I, I follow the law. I've got it together. I'm good. And Jesus is saying, no. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The Bible declares this. But God wants to move into your heart because he loves you. And we've lost that connection because of sin. Something has to be done about sin. What is it with our love obsession with sin? Sin doesn't love us, but we keep going back to it. Like, you know the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger? You know, I can't get no satisfaction, but I try, I try, Lord, I try. We keep going to the same places. We keep letting in the same things that destroy us into our hearts, to the place that God alone is supposed to take up, and it destroys us. And we have no satisfaction because our hearts are only at rest in Him. Only His love can satisfy And sin destroys us. And we destroy each other. Look at what it says in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. All those things we try to fit into our heart, even good things, marriage or, you know, friendship or whatever it is, when it takes the throne that is God's alone, it destroys us. It hurts us. It may be sex. It may be drugs. I don't know what it is for you what it is you're letting in your heart. What is our love obsession with opening the door to the things that destroy us? See, the wages of sin is death. It always ends in death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It's true life. It's that connection to God in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Nicodemus was having trouble understanding because Jesus was saying, you're no different. I've come into the world to take care of this sin problem. And I love it because Jesus is like, don't you understand? You're the teacher of Israel. And he uses this kind of weird passage in Exodus. You know, we understand the cross, so we look at this and say, oh, he's talking about when Jesus would die on the cross. For Nicodemus, he's just using this passage from Exodus. And it's this. In Exodus, the children of Israel had sinned, and these snakes come in there, biting them, and they're falling over dead and getting really sick. And Moses begins to intercede for them. So God says, what I want you to do is get a, a brass pole, and I want you to wrap a snake around it and lift it up. And anybody who looks at that in faith will be saved. Anybody who looks upon that will be healed, will be rescued. Jesus is saying, you need to be rescued, Nicodemus. 
The world needs rescuing, and I'm here to save it. You know, in Jewish literature, the snake is seen as evil. So it's kind of weird that Jesus is like, I'm kind of like that snake on that pole. But this is why. Because Jesus took upon his own shoulders the sin of every single one of us. He became sin who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. And yet he said, I willingly lay down my life and I'll take your sin upon my shoulder. You know, the priest would take the sins of the community and he would lay hands on a lamb or a goat and it would transfer the sins of the community on the goat and it would be sacrificed. This is what it's saying. That sin was transferred upon Jesus on the cross. Think the King of kings, Lord of lords, took your sin and my sin upon himself. How crazy is that? That sin is completely foreign to him and he took it upon himself. Look to me, Jesus says, and you'll be saved. You'll be healed. You see, there's a penalty for sin. Just like the priest that transferred the sin onto the lamb and it had to be sacrificed, there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be some way to get around judgment and penalty. God doesn't want to judge. Yet there is a coming day of judgment. And many who sleep the sleep of death in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life with the Lord and others to eternal disgrace far from him. Guys, in America, we don't want to talk about this. The latest polls say that most of us don't even believe in hell or believe in judgment. We don't want a God that judges. But God loves us so much that the very one who judges came out from the judge's seat. He said, I'll take the penalty for sin because I love people. Where are you? You know, we think we have time. We think we can walk out this door and that we have 20, 30 years, 10 years. We never know when death is knocking. We never know what does you do, what your decision you make in this life affects you for all eternity. It is so crucial. Time is running out. You have to make a decision. Don't walk away here without saying yes to Jesus. With saying, I will believe upon him who took my sins upon his own shoulders and died for me because he loves me. There's a day of judgment coming. Who are you looking to? We let so many other things into. We look to so many other things to fulfill that place that God alone is to fulfill. Look to him. Just as that snake on the pole was lifted up, Jesus was lifted up on a cross saying, look to me, salvation. This whole sin problem, I got it. I got it. That God connection that was lost in the garden, I'm going to restore it. And I'm going to restore it to you because God is the God of love. It says this in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, enemies to God, when we decided to go our own way, and each one of us has, Jesus still loved us enough to die for us, to give up his own life for the penalty of our sin so that we could be connected to our Father in heaven. You see, eternal life is not some faraway thing. It has a future, but it's now. You need life now. You need it now. And that's what being born again is about, the life of Christ moving into your heart.
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it. That's how amazing our God is. Though we deserve wrath, he says, you know what? No, I don't want to condemn the world. So he sent Jesus to save people, to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Think about that. If you're a Christ follower, you are not condemned. Jesus has paid the price. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, it's in believing in Jesus. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait. No, no, no. I got to be good enough. No. It's in believing in Jesus. It says something really cool. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. It's really cool because in Greek, that has eternal life means this. It's rule. And it means as in now. When you believe, when you choose to say, Lord, come into my heart, it's eternal life now, as in immediately, as in you already have it just by believing. We need to be made spiritually alive again. It's through his death and resurrection and him coming into our hearts that we're made spiritually alive again, that we're born again. When you look to the cross, we are healed and we are saved and we are born again. Have you been baptized by the hands of Jesus? Is his heart, your heart, a dwelling place for the very Spirit of God? You see, your heart is a door. There's a door in your heart. And you may not know this, but your heart longs for God. You long for that God connection to be restored. You probably just don't know it because you're putting all these other things into your life. You don't know it, but you long to be born that second time, to be spiritually connected because that's what we were meant for. You may not realize it, but God is searching, seeking after you, knocking on the door of your heart. You see, there's only one way to God the Father, and that's through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, Jesus doesn't just give life. He is life. Look to him. Look to him. We try to fill that space in our hearts with so many things, whether it's relationship or drugs Good things, kids, marriage, looking for that significant other or work, looking for significance and meaning, but only significance and meaning comes in the relationship with God. That place in your heart is meant to be filled by God's spirit, his very presence in a relationship. You cannot fill that spiritual void in your heart. Only God can fill that place in your heart. Only God can fill that place in your heart. You've opened the door to so many things, and they've destroyed you. You've opened the door to so many things, thinking that they'll bring life, and it ends in death. You've opened the door to good things, and you see that you need something even more, that your heart is hungry. 
Or maybe you've been hurt from the past and you're like, I ain't opening the door to God. I can't trust other people. How can I trust him? And you've boarded up the door. And God is saying, here I am. You see, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. But there's so many other things in competition with it. Sometimes you just don't hear it. You're like, no, no, no. If God came into my heart, it's dark in there. What if he really knew who I was? Well, guess what? He knows who you are. It says that he is the light of life, that he's the light of the world. And when Jesus shines light into your heart, the darkness flees. It can only flee. There's nothing that you could ever have done that can separate you from his love in Jesus Christ. In Revelation Jesus says, here I am. It's like he's shouting, getting your attention, here, right here, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You see, this world is full of competing voices and Jesus is saying, here I am. I'm right here. Jesus is calling you today. You've listened to the other voices. Will you answer that door? You see, that door only works one way, your way. On the other side, there is no handle. You have the freedom to decide. Will you open the door? As the band comes up and the lights come down, I want to call you today, not me, but God is calling you to put your trust and believe in the name of Jesus and to believe in Jesus, to look to him on the cross. Some of you haven't made that decision and time is running out and you do not know the future. Today is the day of salvation. Trust in him. Call on his name. If every head would just bow and every eye would close, I want to lead you through a prayer. You don't need to pray this out loud. There's nothing magical about the prayer. But this is simply a prayer of calling on the name of Jesus and being saved. So just pray this to yourself, not out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me, Lord. Place your Holy Spirit in me. I believe in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe some of you all are believers. You've already let Jesus in. But you've let so many other things in too that the room is crowded. And it's like you've almost lost that connection again. Even though he's there. You've let all these other things in. God is a jealous God. He loves you. There can be only be one who sits on the throne of your heart. You've let all this other stuff in, and it's crowded his voice. And he's saying, here I am. Here I am. Where are you at? Maybe some of you are believers. You've let Jesus in, but there's a couple rooms that you're like, I don't know if I want Jesus to go back there. It's a dark place. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Look to Him. Look to Jesus. Look to Him. You have life. But are you living life abundantly? You put Him as King and Lord of your life. But then you let all this other stuff in to try to bring fulfillment. Your heart only can find rest in Jesus. And your heart will always be restless until you trust him and believe in what he did on the cross and in his resurrection. Where are you at today? Have you been baptized by the hands of Jesus? Has his spirit come to live in your life? Are you trusting, relying, and believing upon him? Because he is the true life. He is love, and he's calling you. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we let so many things into our hearts, but there is only you, God, who deserves to sit on the throne of our heart, Lord. I pray even now, God, that you would restore us to the joy of your salvation, that you'd restore us to that fellowship of walking in your presence and walking in your spirit. Lord, for those who haven't called on your name, Lord, that you would, your spirit would convict them that time is running out, Lord, that you would convict them now and that they would call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Lord, there's some of us that are still restless, God. We're searching for so many other things, but you said there's only one thing, and that's to sit at your feet, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to sit at your feet, that you would teach us I praise you for who you are, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and let's worship?